0: My safe word will be whiskey. Sorry, Rod. What was that? Whiskey. Hey, how's it going? This is Steve from the uh, Park Whiskey Society podcast, Lost in Dramslation. I'm here with my co-host. Hey, it's Sean. And uh, today today we got a, 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 an interesting guest, someone that... The canadian drinking public is probably not as familiar with but uh but a gentleman that's super active on social media and just a, a whiskey nerd like the rest of us uh he's he is uh with lhk spirits group down in the u.s based on the east coast he represents uh K-O. man i know you just told me how to say it but i'm still I'm gonna mess I'm it I'm up kayo <laughs> kayo whiskey <laughs> yeah a japanese whiskey he's the u.s ambassador for high coast and then uh, Kelt Cognac. But today we're going to we're going to focus on Kayo whiskey just because I don't think a lot of people up here know a ton about it. And it's it, I, I'm pretty sure there's a lot to talk about. How's it going today, Jay?
1: It's going awesome. How are you guys doing?
0: Good, man. We're just uh, happy to be chilling on an afternoon drinking whiskey with uh, whiskey drinkers.
2: Yeah, exactly. In it's a world just, that
0: lockdowns are eesh. taking people over, well, at least here in Canada. Uh, we'll try not to talk about it too much because we're going backwards and you guys, are start- <laughs> you guys are starting to actually live your lives again, hopefully. But.
1: I, it's a very slow but sure process, um, but obviously for a Tuesday afternoon, uh, I am all for drinking whiskey with friends and and telling stories. So it sounds like uh, it sounds like it'll be a, a good time for all of us. But uh, I, thank you so much for just having me having me on. Um, big fan of the what you guys have been doing for. Uh, your social page so obviously all the photographs and all the different varieties of things you got going on it's very cool to see
0: yeah thanks man i appreciate that so let's um let's we always like to start off and kind of hear hear what your your whiskey journey looks like or and where it all started for you and just it, just yeah tell us a little bit about yourself who who is jay
1: okay um it's kind of funny that my my introduction into working with Kayo goes very much in time with what not too far before I was like really getting my, myself grounded within, within whiskey, but kind of like anybody else, I was younger than I should have been and just drinking with friends. And <laughs> one of them yeah. happened to pick up a bottle of Glenliv at 12. We thought we were all fancy <laughs> uh, and just started sipping it. And the thought was, Hey, this, this is pretty good. You don't need to be shooting this. So it was after that, I just started getting curious, and I wanted to go to tastings, which is so weird to think about right now. I think like how it is easy it was to do that kind of stuff, but um, yeah, no kidding. Again, like you said, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to dwell on. I'm not going to dwell on. The
0: yeah, we'll try and, and, and stay like away from that, that, just because I feel there's enough people dwelling on it that we don't need to add to it. And the nice thing, like I will say, the nice thing about the whiskey community is I can go on social media and completely unplug from all the like political and pandemic nonsense that's going out there. And so it's Absolutely. it's nice. It's a nice way to unplug. So we're gonna unplug today.
1: <laughs> I, I, I like that. I like yeah. that a lot. But yes, yeah, so I started going to to a number of tastings. Uh, I had a couple of very good close friends that just kind of took me under their wing. They were already very deep overboard into the single malt Scotch world and just said, Hey, if you're interested then just stick with us. We'll show you what we know. And it really just went from there and went to more events, started going to some of the bigger ones. Uh, and one of those events was actually being put on by my now boss, who is the master blender for, for Kyle. He ran a number of events that were uh, mainly around the Northeast based, but uh, his name is Jeffrey Karlovich and he ran the whiskey guild, uh, you know, a tasting group. He, like I said, they were putting on a number of different higher-profile events, just getting every anybody and everybody who is involved in the industry, uh, especially on the, on the single malt scotch level, just together for a big event. And this is about maybe 10 years ago, maybe 11 or 12 at this point, but met him at one of those events because he was mutual friends with a, uh, with a good friend of mine that I traveled to with, and we just kind of hit it off. We would stay in touch every once in a while. He had a number of other projects that he was working on before Kaya was officially launched. So one thing led to another. Uh, I was doing a bunch of independent events, literally just uh, either bars, restaurants in my area, or even sometimes, you know, a store or two that maybe just didn't have a rep available. Would just say, hey, do you want to come in and just help us, you know, sell some product, talk about whiskey, maybe put a little presentation. I said, yeah, of course, absolutely. I, I think that's almost... Every whiskey geek out there kind of aspires to do something something kind of like that, you know, they want to put their own little little stamp on it. So I was doing these independent events and private tastings and things like that after I got, you know, myself grounded and then he reached out and said, "Would you like to consider a position working directly for the brand, working directly with me and Kaya Whiskey for the New England area?" And I said, "Yeah, absolutely." Again, this is just what every almost whatever geek is is kind of driving say
0: yes to everything right
1: (laughs) (laughs) say yes to everything work until you drop um but that's that's literally how it came to be and that was just about between the summer and the fall of 2018 is when that started taking shape and then by 2019 i was already on the ground introducing myself as the new England northeast ambassador for kyo and then just kind of kept going further they stepped they started to ask me to do more things that were outside of the area going more places around the country and now here we are 2021 and i am the national ambassador for for the brand uh, as well as like you mentioned uh, taking care and representing Kel cognac and high coast whiskey so it's been a treat and a, an unbelievable experience to get to work with these work with these whiskeys work with these cognacs and call it a a job and a career now you know there's only so many people that can say that kind of came up as the geek (laughs) into a position because so many people start either like a sales rep or a bartender uh and i came in from just that straight geek just knocking on the door saying hey you know teach me all you know and and here we are
0: that that's awesome so more i guess the most important question to ask here is when did you start growing that awesome beard (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> for all the people that won't be able to uh to, to see this unless they want unless they want to instagram well, start me which yeah they really a problem with but, i'm sure uh, they will we'll, we'll make sure um, to tag you when we launch
2: because
0: I'm, I'm having some major every time i talk to you and we've been on <laughs> zoom with zoom a couple times i can't grow beard so i get pretty i get i get good beard envy, especially when I didn't even know beards could grow that long.
2: Yeah. I'm not, I'm not allowed to grow a beard. So I am definitely jealous.
1: <laughs> I, I am lucky in that. Well, lucky for a number of reasons. One, when I was hired uh, by the company, uh, Jeffrey actually made it a point to say you shave or cut the beard. You have no job. You know, the the, the, the offer the is out. Um, and I said, that's good. Because if you would ask me to to even trim it, I would say thanks, but no thanks. It's just not going to happen. So there's a mutual understanding. That's perfect. Yeah. That <laughs> yeah. Stays. And luckily, um, luckily, my girlfriend is very, very uh, fine with it. Uh, so I don't have any worries on that front to have to.
0: That's like having know, a third uh, person answer. in third person in the bed with you guys. Like that thing. Well, you roll over. I'm sure you might poke an eye out.
1: it's not so much poking an eye out it's more just kind of like accidentally like putting my arm on it or like like oh yeah to the point where like if i gotta like move my head really fast but (laughs) i've had i've had this beard for well over at least maybe well over a decade now again same same like 11 12 years but i just keep to keep on cutting it otherwise it just won't uh stop so call it uh wow uh, being blessed with good genes or being cursed with good genes, but somewhere in the DNA is, is this. And I got into doing beard competitions for charity. Oh, nice. That's uh, awesome. And I know, and I know there's a bunch of clubs scattered throughout Canada because I've met a bunch of, uh, I met a bunch of those guys and they'll come down here to the U S and it was all just for fun. Um, you know, give back to different organizations all, all over every single kind of program you could think of, but I started growing it didn't stop. And it just kind of became this thing. So, in a way, it actually helps, and and kind of you know pushes the my 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 repping duties because at least even now walking in, we're not dwelling. We're just we're we're making a, a, a an observation. Walking with <laughs> a mask on into a store, everybody still knows who oh. I am. Oh, hey, what's up, Jay? for sure well it's become your image for the last six months yeah so it's like they they know me walking through the door immediately so it helps the uh you know it helps the cause um so to speak
0: no it's it yeah it's pretty crazy it's like usually normally a beard will like people can only grow a certain length and it kind of stops isn't that is that normal i don't know
1: they call it terminal length and it it's such a thing and it's just different for everybody. It literally, oh, weird. like I said, it just kind of goes down to DNA. Yeah. So it's kind of like, a, it's kind of like the idea of like why your eyebrows only grow so long or like the hair on your arm like grows so long. Like it's the same thing with a beard for some, for some people that it just will just stop at a certain point. But for whatever reason, uh that that particular gene was lost on me so i'm just going to keep on going well
0: i I definitely i'm like a hairless cat i definitely didn't get anything (laughs) any genes like that whatsoever Cause I can I, I can barely grow a hair anywhere on my body.
2: Man, your boss won't let you cut your beard. I show up with like one day stubble, and they're like, "You're going back and shaving." I mean, it's a safety Oof. thing, so I don't mind. But
1: if <laughs> I if no, that's totally fine. That that is absolutely more. It's a
2: good than, excuse. Uh, I've than told than my wife if that. I ever leave the industry I'm in and don't have to shave, get used to it, because I will not it's, shave.
0: It's beard time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, we're not here to talk about facial hair or body <laughs> hair or anything like that. We're here to talk about whiskey yeah let's let's dive right in because there is a lot of there are a lot of Japanese whiskeys. that people. holy man that was a pop that's the sound you're looking for <laughs> that is a major major pop okay <laughs> that was impressive um, tell us tell us about uh, Kayo and like anyways, what I was trying to say is there's a lot of Japanese whiskey on the shelf that people don't really know anything about. And we've 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 journeyed as a club into a couple other different brands because of because of my own curiosity. And obviously my next the next direction I wanted to go was was this whiskey here. So just tell us um yeah, give us give us a story behind the whiskey and then we'll
1: absolutely we'll get into um, it. It's one of those things that it, it, this is all it all goes back to Jeffrey, uh, because of his his knowledge as a master blender, his whole entire career has been based really in the in the entire world spirits category. He worked within the scotch industry for a number of years. He worked uh, with Kel with Cognac for a number of years, blending cognacs, uh, consulting for different distilleries. Um, he consulted for a couple brands and producers in Japan, uh, as well as he also had some time with uh, with Angostura Rum. So he really was all over the world. And he just, his knowledge of spirits and the production putting a product together is like nobody else's. He's just on that level that that is just almost unobtainable, you know, unless you're that mad scientist. So with that knowledge, he knew long before there was any kind of like a trend or a hype, he knew very well the kind of whiskey that was being produced in Japan and just how it was moving and how it's obviously tied to the scotch industry but how it was moving into its own its own form with its own special touch to it and he really really appreciated where that balance came from where all these flavors were being incorporated and the art was in that that harmony um that that level where all these flavors came together and he loves his scotch I love my scotch and I love the things that will just hit you over the head sometimes as far as these bold, intense flavors, but he knew there's something very, very special happening in Japan with the way that they made their whiskey and their whole philosophy behind whiskey production. So he wanted to work with that. And he, he knew that obviously being an American, that it would be something, you know, a little bit, uh, there, there'd be questions. But his aim was just to work with the best whiskey that he could, and make the best whiskey that he could. And it just so happened that for him, it ended up taking a turn, going into Japan. So it led him to working and blending with these whiskeys. So to make a long story short, because obviously there's a lot of things going on right now as far as new label standards and uh, you know certain regulations that are coming to the light that people are wanting more clarity on what what is going into the whiskeys that are coming of the country. What Kayo does and how everything got started is that we, we select and purchase new make spirits. So we don't have our own distillery yet. We actually have all the plans for it. We even have the equipment already purchased. That would have been probably a project that would have been going on throughout 2020 and into this year. But of course, um, COVID, a lot of things have changed. But what we do is we have a couple different producers in Japan make our new make spirit for us, and we get that as completely unaged spirit and lay down in our casks. And this is a hundred percent Japanese malted barley base, so there is nothing coming from outside of the country that's being mixed in with it. It is all done on the island, and those casks are laid down. Um, for at least the first the first runs of our products were pushing um, about seven years, eight years aged on the island before we bottled anything. Now some of our products, because we incorporate ocean maturation, which is what Kyle translates to Kyle translates to ocean. So it's a part of our whole entire production process. Similar into how some other whiskey makers are, are ending their spirit before they go. Like you know, Jefferson,
0: Jefferson, right? Does a similar it's, type, yeah.
1: Similar process, yes. Um, and it's not just whiskey. Uh, the whole process of aging at sea was something that really Jeff did not buy into. He thought it was a marketing ploy. And it wasn't <laughs> until his time at Kelt Cognac, because Kelt's been doing this since the mid-80s. When that brand was launched and working with working with those cognacs and helping to create those blends. He saw what a profound difference that time on the ocean could make. And before that, he would have told you he thought it was it was literally just BS. He didn't believe in it until he was able to get access to certain stops along the shipping route in certain ports where you could get into the containers where the casks were being held and draw samples out of them so he had obviously control samples and the samples drawn from the casks that were on on the ocean and then he said all right i'm wrong there's something definitely going on here so that's part of what it went to Kayo. so i'll circle back um the juice that we have now going out there uh has been aged in japan and will continue to be aged in japan for at least three years before it will go to the ocean and after the ocean time which is roughly about three months, 90 to 100 days, depending on obviously uh, what route we want to take. We have one of two different routes, and one of them, which does go through the Suez Canal. So by the time when when this episode may air, people might be going, well, you know, oh, yeah, that's Suez Canal. And as far as I know, we <laughs> didn't have any whiskey on the water during this. Okay. Um, I'm not 100% sure, but I feel like I would have heard about it if we did. <laughs> but we either go through the Suez Canal, literally so going around the world. Uh, or through the Panama Canal. Okay. Because we want to visit different climates. Yeah. We want cold to hot, hot to cold, and we want that variation just like you would see in a warehouse with the seasonal changes, you know, like the way the whiskey that we know is going to develop over time is that expansion, contraction of the wood and the liquid going in and out of it. And that is happening more times over. So it's not necessarily speeding up the maturation process it's not making it older it's just making that
0: speeding up the interaction interaction. yeah yeah
1: it's making an interaction happen more times so you're having more development with the wood itself obviously you know uh there's something to be said about a 25 year old whiskey versus a 10 year old whiskey there's going to be a difference but there's a there's certainly a difference in that flavor when you're having that interaction go back and forth that many more times so we do the ocean maturation process and ultimately Mm -hmm. Ending the last part of the voyage, we stop in Liverpool, England, where our casks are are unloaded and they'll continue to mature in our warehouse in Liverpool until they're ready to be bottled. And of course, Jeff has final say on when he deems those casks are ready. Um, So we draw from there before we bottle, and we have every single variety of every single cask you could think that you'd want to experiment with laid down on top of Mizanara, which is what kyo itself is centered around so all the whiskeys in the whole entire family do touch and spend time maturing in mizunara one way or another some of the some of the expressions are full term mizunara others are partial or finished so it depends on what uh what bottling you're looking at what expression you're looking at but everything goes on the ocean everything sees time in mizunara and everything starts as 100 percent japanese made spirits maturing on the island or like I said, at least those three years before we take it off. So we're already checking the boxes for the groundwork that was laid down with those standards, with the exception of the bottling.
0: So will you be be able to still call it Japanese whiskey with the bottling being not... I can't remember if that was part of the regulation or not.
1: So these labeling standards that were introduced, um, and I certainly don't want to want to misspeak on any of this or, or say anything that might not be 100 percent because a lot of these decisions are made behind closed doors. yeah That's one of those things that we had to we had to kind of you know find out how this was going to affect us. To everything that we are aware of is that this is not exactly a government or country uh based regulation um suggestion. Yeah. This is a group of whiskey producers coming together to say that this is what we define Japanese whiskey as.
0: Yeah, a, pri- a private commission versus an actual government commission kind of thing. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And so I think what you're going to see, and this is totally fine. We, we saw this and went, yes, there absolutely should be a better definition. Um, people have been asking for this for a very long time. And whiskey drinkers, are they're much more educated and wanting to know more on the whole entire process than, say, like 20, 30 years ago. People just weren't as in-depth as we geek out into things now. So people want to know what they're drinking, um, and rightfully so. So by the current standards that were rolled out, no, we're not going to be defined as Japanese whiskey because we don't bottle in the country. But what I think you may see down the road um, as these standards are taking more shape is that other producers on the island within japan are likely going to come together and say okay well this is what this is what we define japanese whiskey as and i can see you looking at the bottom you don't actually
0: call yourself japanese whiskey on the bottle anyways so and i think as long like from my perspective as from a drinker's perspective even it's more so just being transparent that people really care about right so it's If you if people know that you're bottling in Scotland and they know the journey of the whiskey to the bottle, then it doesn't really make a difference, right? They just want to know that the the whiskey inside is legit and it tastes good.
1: Yes, and hopefully at the end of the day, people are judging by their taste buds, and you know, of course, they're they're gonna you know choose by their wallets as well, how much they want (laughs) to invest into whiskey. But if they know where the liquid is coming from and how it's made that certainly helps. It's the question that I've been asked and I still am asked constantly is that how come the bottles don't explicitly say Japanese whiskey is because we knew this would happen and we hoped it was going to happen sooner than later. So the, what we didn't want to have or I should say, didn't want to take a chance on was putting Japanese whiskey on the label and then having these regulations and standards come down, which now they finally are and then yeah. to take that off because there's other there's other whiskey makers out there that are now removing
0: mm-hmm.
1: that Japanese whiskey, um, description or text, I guess however you we want to say it. And that of course raises even more questions. Well, you said it was then, how come you just not seeing this now? So we just thought it was easier. You know, this is the way we do it. This is the way that we're going to continue to do it. And rather than try to adjust the labeling and have to explain even more from the get go, it is japanese ingredients we're using the japanese wood the misanara oak and everything is born and raised on japan or in japan rather so in our hearts this is still very much a japanese product Just does not happen to be bottled on the island
0: well from a whiskey geek's perspective like we are just the fact that it in its like years of maturation you're maturing for the first three years in japan which is mm-hmm. going to have humidity and heat and fluctuations in temperature far greater than Scotland, and then you're on the ocean, touching a bunch of different climates. Like it, for me, I think it's just super interesting to have right, to have a whiskey that's seen so many different regions. regions. Of- <laughs> right? Yeah. It's yeah, it's it's fascinating to me. And you're going to get an like a like you said, you're going to get that extra interaction and rate of aging. Uh, it's gonna be completely different than than a than a standard whiskey out there.
1: Absolutely. And it's one thing that we've been um, that we've been noting over time for for pretty much since the since the brand was launched. Like I said, we have all kinds of casks that have been laid down as experimental casks even um, some of the whiskey that's already out and available that that's in in core production right now came out of just that experimentation kind of mindset. And I can I can talk about you know those of you guys want to get down and dirty um, with all that stuff as well. But we have casks that have spent their whole entire life in Japan, and we have casks that were partial time in Japan, partial time in Liverpool, England, and then just for the sake of going, well, let's see what's going to happen. We had some casks that were basically filled in in Japan, you know, new new raw spirit, but then immediately sent over and. Just seeing how, especially Mizanara oak, because it's such a drastically different kind of wood than you see with the the most of most any whiskey production figure, like night what's it like 95% of the whiskey out there is all either it's either ex bourbon or at least American oak in one, one form or fashion. But to see the way Mizanara reacts, it's it's I don't want to say it's temperamental because um it makes it sound like it's it's a it's a bad thing, but it's very unique in that. We've seen already that the way Mizanara reacts in a Japanese climate for its whole entire maturation run versus the higher humidity levels, because Liverpool, England, it's going to be much more like the Dunnage warehouses of Scotland, where you have that more humidity, kind of keeping everything just kind of more, you know, like more encapsulated, I guess maybe what I want to say. And it just it it has a different reaction. So just just seeing how that wood is going to take its own course. It blew our minds to see how that would, you know, just shape things. So uh, in the end of the day, it's it's about making the the whiskey as good as it can be.
2: It It begs the question, have you had any that did not like go on the ocean at all, just matured in Japan?
1: I've had some samples of, of some of the younger stuff. Um, but the bulk of everything that I, that I've had has been on the water. So, um, do you ever it definitely have, makes, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, so it definitely, it definitely makes a, a, a big difference. Um, just it's it's also a lot easier with the way that things are as far as well, travel international travel right now is, is, you know, next to impossible, but, it's also a lot easier and a lot shorter of a trip for for Jeffrey to get his hands on the casks to Liverpool, England, <laughs> than it is to constantly be going back and forth to Japan. Um, but he's very, very, very much like just those are his babies. He wants to touch and feel everything and see everything as it's progressing because if it's not up to his standards, then it's not going anywhere. And it's very much with, uh, with, with one of the whiskeys that you guys have. I mean, I should say, I'll reword that everything is to his to his final okay. But uh, if he thinks that something may not be right, uh, which we'll get into with one of the whiskeys, um, he does not let it get released. And it, you know, we'll invest any money that we have to to making sure that it, it does not get released until it is right. So he's very much a top priority of getting it done, getting it done right, and not cutting any corners. As far as the final product goes,
0: it'd be cool to see how the how like different casks kind of handle the journey too. Like, if, has has he ever had any cast not survive the the trip? Or does that does that happen? Well, it's a,
1: Mizanar is a very like I said, I I, I actually probably should start or, or uh, kept with the fact that they're, that they're temperamental because they are um, difficult to work with in the way that the composition of the wood itself is very soft. And these casks leak like a sieve. Yeah. So we have, we have a regular angel share of evaporation of like that 2 to 3% range. But that's where we just talking evaporation. You want to talk about what gets uh, leaked out of the casks because they are not uh, as sound, as tight as American oak is. We're losing another like 4 or sometimes 5%. So we're seeing an angel share of like seven percent a year sometimes with these casks, and it's just literally just lost. There's no getting there's no getting that back. It might make the guys that are working on you know the ship um, a bit more quick to craving some the containers. <laughs> yeah. you know? either
0: that or they've got they got little bowls set up so for the drippings <laughs> that come out of the container, but
1: something like that. But. It, I was always told that once those, once those containers are locked, um, you know, you can't get to them, which is why it took, you know, nothing short of like a, you know, an act of government to get Jeff, uh, onto the boats and able to draw those samples. Like I mentioned, because typically that will never happen when those, when those containers are loaded, they're on there until they're offloaded at their final port. Um, but he was, he was dead set and diehard on wanting to see how, these yeah. changes would affect the whiskey.
0: And, I, I and picture him like climbing James. the side of containers, like trying to get up to his, his container at the top, being like, I have James, to try
2: my whiskey. James Bond repelling down from the
1: top. <laughs> yeah. SWAT team style. Yeah. I like that. that. That's a, that's a great image. I think uh, there's, there should be a cartoon. Um, Next marketing campaign
0: like that. Right, right there. absolutely.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it just, it, it's a, Working with this kind of wood, it really is a whole different animal than what your typical American oak is going to be like, or even just really anything, any of the other oaks, um, you know, figure any of your European oaks, French oak, Spanish oak. It just lends a totally different character for a flavor profile. The way that they're coopered is drastically different. The staves alone on these casks are about twice the thickness of regular American oak for a bourbon barrel because we need that extra um, that extra mass just to keep the liquid inside so because of that we tend to stay with larger casks about 400 liters to 450 liters is the typical size for most of ours we've experimented with just about everything but we found that the smaller the cask typically the more uh, chance we have of just leakage um, to getting obviously coopered the right way and the right curvature of the of the staves themselves Smaller casks would just be harder to work with, and we would lose more liquid. So, tend to stay with the larger casks um, as far as the as far as the mizenara goes. But um,
0: how large? Got, like how many liters are the cat the Mizanara uh, casks?
1: Typically, four hundred to four fifty. Okay, a mixture of both. Um, so almost kind of approaching like your sherry, butt size. Yeah. yeah. Um. You know, so they're they're large casks, um, and they're they're quite. Quite cumbersome, just because of that added weight from the staves themselves being that much thicker. You know, that that yeah. much more, like I said, much more mass to them.
0: But a the cast, they're they're obviously expensive because they're not. Well, they're they're a more rare oak tree than than a typical American or European oak. So it would be more cost effective to do a larger cask as well. I assume.
1: Absolutely. Generally speaking, the average going rate of a cask is about five thousand dollars. Holy smokes. <laughs> five, five, I should say five thousand US. Um, five
0: thousand. That's yeah, that's <laughs> last the last cask I heard that was going for that much was like a Palo Cortado or something <laughs> like that, sherry-wise, right? So that that's pricey.
1: Yeah, they're they stay pretty much the most expensive casks that you can get. Um, at least as far as brand new, you know. Like new oak. Casks. New oak, yeah. Yeah. Correct. Which uh two of the whiskeys that we have uh in our family that they'll they'll start new. I should say three now because we have our single-barrel program that's been rolling out um, through the U.S. right now. And I'm hoping that as some more casks become available, we'll be able to get some to Canada, you know, get them north for you guys to enjoy. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a crazy one to work with. It's very restrictive. It's very protected. Only certain areas of the forests, mostly in the northern uh, area of Japan, is um, where these are harvested. So the government's very strict on what can and cannot be because you're talking about mostly and usually 200 year old or older trees. If you've ever seen a picture of these trees, it almost kind of picture like a giant bonsai as ironic of a statement (laughs) as that sounds like they're very twisty and very knotty. So you need that much more wood of old growth to be able to get enough, enough, you know, to harvest enough wood off it. Yeah, exactly. To make a stave. So it takes these old trees. Um, but Everything is done with conservation and why, like I said, it's done not like ancient forests that are being clear cut, you know, yeah. with with roads being paved over them. It's it's very, it's very strict on what can and can't be cut. And for every tree that is being cut down, we're having more planted. Yeah. So and we'll use the casks as long as there's flavor to them.
0: Yeah, and, and the like, whiskey drinkers 200 years from now will be happy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, there still be there will still be some Mizanara. Uh, You know, left to uh, to to harvest, yeah, (laughs) harvest and walk through the forest and and enjoy in their in their natural form. Yeah, like we we were saying,
2: like we were saying before we went live here. um, We were talking about Mizanera and how, like, we went into it episodes and episodes months ago. Just uh, you know, we took a deep dive into it one day, and we just had it as a topic. And yeah, when we found out, like, two hundred year old trees, and then we like. Think of it in Canada and like 200 year old trees like hardly exist here. Like you have to go to the West Coast to see them. Like even the forest around us, like there's nothing like that here. Like they're, you know, at max 100 years old. So even if we went with like an oak tree here, 200 years old, it's still a super rare tree and these ones grow straight. So I can imagine the the Mizunura in Japan that is all twisty and windy and stuff like just how much how many casks you get out of a two hundred year old tree there versus a two hundred year old tree here? Which yeah, it's explain, uh, it, explains it, at the, the cost. End of it, it's,
1: it's a labor it's a labor of love. Uh, but just as Jeff saw um, what was being produced in Japan and that that amazing philosophy of of, of harmony and balancing and balancing their whiskeys, he saw these incredible flavors that you just don't get with other oaks in Mizunara but it does take time. Uh you can't rush maturing with this kind of wood. It's very um it's very bitter and very spicy in the early in the early runs and it's for that reason that of all the stuff that we have laid down right now Jeff is most excited about the second fill that we have just waiting and sleeping until we're ready to 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 roll those casks out um into into you know actually being bottled because at the second fill and even the third fill, there's far much more of a fruit push than there is the sandalwood spice, which is typically what you get with a lot of, you know, a lot of Mizanara. So we were talking Mizanara finished whiskeys. Um, that's one of those delicate things that you got to be careful when you're finishing with misanara. If it happens to be new, it's going to put a lot of spice into it and very quickly. So it takes that extra time depending on what whiskey you want in the very end, what your what your goal is in production. But if you're going for those those big fruit flavors, the dried fruits and tropical fruits, that's going to come from those longer maturation runs, you know, say seven, eight, nine years, 10 years or longer. But then you get to the second fills where that spice has kind of drawn back a little bit, a bit more subdued and give that bigger, bigger room for the fruit to shine. That's why you saw Mizanar in its first, its first attempts in Japan when they started using the wood domestically. No one really wanted to go with it. Uh, it it was there was there were shorter maturation trials, only a couple of years. And they said, ah, it's spicy, it's bitter, it's it's not that great. So this kind of got shelved, so to speak. Or you mean know, or more literally, if you think about it in a warehouse, but it wasn't until they went back to it and went, oh this has significantly changed much more time for that sandalwood and that and that that really harsher initial spice to wear down and go okay now we got something here and then you start seeing more of the finishings you know and and the wood take a bigger spotlight on the stage to be something that whiskey makers around the world are going oh this is pretty cool this is something really special
0: yeah that explained to me that uh mizanara it's not. It's not nearly as welcoming to the whiskey at the beginning that that uh, like American European oaks are because of just the the makeup of the oak itself. That it kind of pushes pushes back against the whiskey for the first few years. Um, I thought that was pretty interesting because then yeah, you definitely have to be a lot more patient when working with it to, in order to gain your flavors. But so I I can't remember what year they said, but they said around the five to seven years is when you really start to like really captured and that's more on the new oak if you're using a second fill it's a little bit different obviously but i, I just thought that was, was i don't know really unique really cool
2: or even some of the yeah. ones that we've seen where they do the finish and like w- the one that i'm thinking of that we talked about before and it's like a nine month finish i was like how do you finish a whiskey in nine months like that's that's ridiculous like you're not going to get any flavor and then you taste it and you're like oh there it is <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: and it's it's most definitely certainly there and and to even kind of bring it back to the ocean uh portion of of our production, that's actually one of the other reasons we brought about that that uh that usage of those cast on the waters because not only does Mizendar impart a lot of favor very quickly, it will go dormant after a couple after the initial couple of years. Huh. And what Jeff found is that it going onto the ocean and having that that those spikes in climate changes and temperature swings, it's kind of like kickstarting the cask again. So, as I was saying mentioned before, how the casks of Mizanara have matured differently in Liverpool, England versus in Japan, mm-hmm. that's one of the things that we found out is that, you know, the first couple of years, lots of flavor and they'll kind of start to, you know, not do as much, but bring him on the water, get the engine started back up again, The interactions with the whiskey going in and out of the wood, and then letting it just have its final sleep in a much more damp and humid climate, and then hoping you know, or shouldn't say hoping, but drawing out more of those fruit tones. It's like that's it's a whole entire process that is not easy, and there's a lot of money invested to make it happen the right way.
2: (laughs) It's so it's so nerdy that like you can't help but love it as a whiskey nerd.
0: Yeah, just just the journey, uh, just. There's so, so many different journeys to, to bottle when it comes to whiskey. And this one is uh, it's yeah. tru- a truly unique one, that's for
1: sure. Absolutely. And I know you guys are sitting in those glasses. Yeah, for I know. While, we've so been... You know, we've, be, if you want to have a taste of... Uh,
0: we've been nosing them like crazy, but it's... um. So yeah, what... Okay, before we get started, which one would you... So we've got, we've got obviously the sherry one in front of us. And then we've got the cast strength Mizunara. Which one would you say we should go out first? Um... They're both going to have their different kind of strengths, yeah. like maybe um, the cast strength just because the sherry based on the nose looks like it's going to punch our yeah, tongue a little is, bit.
1: The sherry is a full mouth coater, And as much as as much as much the geek in me would would want to keep the cast strength for the ends, like, you know, it's like keep the cast strength so for like the higher BBs and Pete like for like the closers, I think we'll be fine because I think this will kind of wake up the taste buds
0: we're um, heavy yeah. we're heavy drinkers so the the 40 percent tastes like water 50 percent tastes like whiskey above 50 and now we're talking so, <laughs>
1: so <laughs> this one the, one's the, cast, the cast rank will be fine yeah um, 15 actually one thing i should say is 53. that uh um just talking about the 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 maturations and how long that we've matured these for we've tasted the difference in the whiskey because we've been incorporating some of the older products as we're able to do more bottling runs So initially, right out of the gate, 2017, when the brand launched, you saw whiskey, this one being included, this cast strength, that was roughly about seven years, maybe seven and a half to eight. Now, what we have on the shelves is going to be much closer to like nine, nine and a half. And if you have the opportunity to to taste those back to back, you will see how much deeper the fruit component gets. It's definitely very much the same whiskey. It's not like you're going to taste a different whiskey, but... You see where the flavors just be kind of just more like more of themselves in a way. Because everything is that just more much more rich. But uh yeah, this cast range full-term Mizanara, full-term new Mizanara, 53%. And so what you guys have is like I said, should be going towards that, more towards like that nine year mark. Um I definitely,
2: definitely first, like just, I took a tiny little sip and that's Mizanara spice right away is like recognizable. But then after swallow that first little tiny sip, you do get that, like, it's not sweet, but you get that like fruit kind of finish on it.
1: Yep. Honey and fruit with, um, when you get pure Mizanara, uh, like this, there's a definitely that fruit component and also a honey factor, a very rich and sweet honey. And the where, where this whiskey sits in relation to our flagship bottling, which we call the signature as the one with, with the entire black label. We try not to call it the black label as easy as it is because we, we want to let Johnny Walker keep that. And we don't want any trouble <laughs> from their legal departments. Um, which they probably have a very nice. big one. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I know they do. Um, but it's very recognizable. Obviously, anybody going into, into a retailer, uh, it's a striking black bottle uh, with the Japanese characters that translate to ocean uh, on, on the front. But uh, just going from that 43% for that bottling versus this one, this one, like, like you had said, is, is much more, it's spice forward, rolling into the fruit. The other one begins with the spice, or sorry, begins with the fruit, and then you get more of the spice on on the finish. So it just depends on which flavor order you're looking for first. Uh, But a lot of people tend to get uh, a nice dark cocoa note with this one. I get a definitive herbal character uh, with this, almost kind of like tea like, like a black tea. And I think it's one of the most interesting flavors I've ever had in any whiskey uh it's not it's not a component or a note that you get very very often especially when you're talking about a lot of fruit, Mm -hmm. um you know that you would see with this kind of whiskey people think fruit they think maybe irish or they think like sherry you know like the dark red fruits but this is just like that fruit basket honey but beginning with that with that more spice backbone you know get a good pepper note
0: trying to think of what comes to my brain first but it's almost like a some like a a rich grain bread with like a like a wildflower honey kind of thing was is kind of exactly where it's taking me which is probably where that herb maybe that herbaceous is coming from maybe it's coming a little bit floral to me but uh it's um i have for some reason with mizenaire i always get a heavy buttery honey which maybe is that's that typical sandalwood that they that they say um it's good, and I haven't had a lot of Missonera. No, until until recently. I don't know why. I feel stupid that I <laughs> that I didn't.
1: Well, it's, it's, only that, it's the reason that people have been um, getting getting it out more. There's a number of distilleries and producers doing the finishes. Yeah, but there's really nothing else outside of what Kyo has been doing for full term. There's no one else. We're 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 it as far as the full term maturation ones go, and it took a lot of r&d to get it right um you know to make sure that all that balance was there and it wasn't just that fruit or you know the, the spice bomb and nothing else
0: that bit of spice before. that bit of pepperiness on the back um is is really nice it like lingers right kind of at the back of your tongue for the finish and the, the finishes like yeah I'd, i'll probably be tasting this well i guess we're going to drink the sherry so that'll probably replace it but <laughs> <laughs> if i wasn't going to drink it it the yeah, the finish on this is beautiful and it's not it's a resting peppery spice, but it's not like a hot spice, which is like, it's
1: a very deceiving whiskey fifty three percent
0: oh <laughs> it's not it does not drink like alcohol wise proof wise it does not drink at that proof at all
1: i've uh I've had a lot of long nights with this particular whiskey that have led to much slower mornings because you're just not <laughs> thinking about that alcohol content yeah. its not just burning, burning your face. Like you would think that's something for 50%, uh, or, or higher. And it adds up, uh, it adds a quick, um, so it, it, it's, it's my favorite of the core family. Uh, absolutely. Um, next to the, you know, the share was a very special limited run for us, but as far as the core lineup goes, the cast rank is most definitely my, my go-to, um, and I saw, I saw a water bottle uh, a the corner of my eye, and I do absolutely, if you, if you want to, you know, play around with it. I, I personally think that this whiskey opens up with water. I, I, I'm no one to tell anybody how to drink their whiskey, but uh, I always like to experiment. And I think this showcases water very well. And typically if it, uh, during normal times when I get to do seminars and events, I use this as the example for people to, you know, hopefully be curious about their whiskey and to try it because I think it does open it up and it shows that water does not have to be this cursed negative thing about that debate back and forth that some people love to have. But yeah. it is nice that I, I think where people are, are coming around to finally being open, like they're not so shuttered and set and set in their ways. So that that part's but nice.
0: The whole the whole water debate I think just comes from it's it's I think it's honestly it's this like masculine thing I drink whiskey I don't need to put water in it kind of thing when Mm -hmm. it's it's ridiculous because whiskey since it's since the beginning of its time has always been made to drink with a little bit of water that's how the the Scots drink it that's just it's how it is and some some whiskeys taste better with water in it Mm -hmm. and some don't right so I think you're you're kind of a fool if you're not willing to to at least try.
2: Like I literally had a, a quarter ounce left in here and I added literally one drop of water. And yeah, it opened up. It tamed down that spice just enough that the like honeyed floral fruit just woke right up. And then there was... Oh yeah, it there kicks
0: was, up the sweetness big time.
2: Yeah. And then like you, there's still that on the finish, there's still that um, Mizunera spice that you get. It, it's not like it was before. Like it's not peppery. Like yeah. It, was. it mellows it out. Yeah. But it's still there. And yeah, it, it totally. And yeah, we, uh, we've just on the podcast alone have experienced some crazy changes in whiskeys that we weren't expecting by just adding water. Cause like when I drink at home, I hardly ever, unless it's the first, you know, first time I'm opening a bottle, I'll pour two glasses. I'll pour one. I'll take a sip right away. And then i'll add some water and then the other one will let sit just by itself for like 45 minutes and kind of just play around and see but mo- for the most part i don't really add a lot of water but then like this proves that it can hold the water and it's beautiful with it and it's gorgeous without it
0: just how some whiskeys transform with just even a drop of water is just fascinating to me honestly Absolutely.
1: yeah literally when you're talking just just that one drop and what I've been finding a lot lately um, during these times of being, in, being inside a little bit more, and we'll just leave it at that, is I, I think there's something very much to be said that I've been noticing more with brand new bottles. So I'm sure you guys will have your time with this as uh, as you're able to, to sample later on. But um, the first pour or two, that neck pour, when you give that whiskey time to open up, and this hasn't been everything, but, but a lot I've noticed go back to it like a couple days later, you get a chance for some air in the bottle, just that tiny, tiny bit of oxidation to, to happen. And it's like, it's like something else just, again, kickstarted the whiskey and it's just not as tight as it was. It's kind of like, it's on the same idea as if you add a drop of water where you see something open up. But I've noticed that with a number of bottles lately um, where that first pour just might be tight. But if you're willing to let that glass sit around for a while or just go back, a couple days later after you open up the bottle and have us have another second or third glass something else happens there and that's been a very cool thing to pay more attention to that i never really did before it was kind of like you know get a new bottle you know pour and go well, yeah, we, we always talk giga- like
0: yeah exactly we even like we've got a um, just a small group of us that are they're all local here that talk whiskey on basically all day long every day (laughs) yeah
1: it's circulating group chat i'm just yeah yeah yeah, when when my wife asks who are
0: you talking to i'm just like the whiskey guys like like, do you have to ask i know and it's now to the point where it's okay put your phone down in the evening so we can have dinner with the family and stop talking to your (laughs) friends about whiskey but um the the one thing that we talk about a lot is the yeah the evolution of the whiskey inside the bottle right which is how good is a whiskey from the neck pour to the right a quarter down to kind of the midway point because in my eyes it 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 changes changes all the way to the kill absolutely and so we like us super nerds the average whiskey drinker is not going to do stuff like this <laughs> but but we will take notes and obviously keep our thoughts on most of these bottles so that we can compare and then the other one will go buy one he'll be like hey the neck pour is like this we will be like well the bottom of it's like this and it's it's just crazy. You get, you can almost get four different whiskeys if you take your time and just let it kind of do its thing in the bottle.
1: Absolutely. It's a it's, it's a very interesting thing to take note of. Like I, said, I wasn't doing much in the past. It wasn't something that I was noticing. Probably kind of just didn't think about it or just didn't want to even get the thought. I was just was kind of more like I said, pour and pour and go and be on to your next, <laughs> your, your next selection. Yeah.
0: I think it's the advantage of having... More whiskey than you could drink, I guess. Because I don't, I don't buy a bottle, finish it, and then buy another bottle. <laughs> yeah, so it's yeah. it's a luxury but to especially, be able to. Especially I guess like
2: when when a bottle like this comes in, and you know, hopefully now that people are hearing about it, they'll be interested and be like, okay, well, let's go check this out. Yeah. So then you know we have local forums on Facebook and Instagram and stuff, and that's where we'll say, well, like. You know this particular bottle like let it sit for 45 minutes before you take a sip because it will be way different than if you were just pour the neck pour and, and drink it down so yeah. it's it's very cool to hear and get other people's opinions on it and especially as you as, a, as an ambassador for this saying like yeah the water will change it and that you like the change that happens um yeah it's it's cool to hear that from from you and then also, it echoes what we say to each other, which is awesome. I
1: I can't wait to uh, let my uh, uh, my my immediate manager, who is our global brand director, we we have a fun debate about how we think the water should happen. He's he's perfectly fine um, with the thought of people, you know, drinking the whiskey as they want it, but he always likes to say, "Well, you know." Whiskey should be the way it is out of the. It should be the best that it is out of the out of the bottle. Said, like, well, you can't do that. You got to think down to that chemical level of how things are going to happen. Like just adding a couple drops of water in when we go to do the bottling run, it's not quite going to ever have that same effect as you know you having a fresh glass, pour it, letting that reaction happen, and then go. So it's a fun. It's a it's fun for me to kind of like kind of poke the bear a little bit with
0: it. <laughs> yeah. But people people that say that they don't. And this isn't obviously against him or anything. But when I think about it, people that say, "Oh, I don't put water in my whiskey." Well, at the same time, you're drinking if you're drinking whiskey that isn't cast strength. What's which most are? Um, hello, there's water in your whiskey, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? <I> mean,
2: <laughs> so,
1: and I and I totally get uh, and more than understand his train of thought because obviously he's representing the brand the same as I am, and he wants to. You, you know, obviously put the best foot forward. Yeah, He wants people to open it up and have that experience right out of the gate. And yeah. so at a certain level, he's absolutely, he is absolutely right. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. want to be able to have that, um, be the best that it can be. But I think it's still fun at the individual's, uh, you know, choice and and how they discern and want to, you know, drink their wizard. Like that's the fun part. You want to add ice? Cool. Add ice. If you really want to make a cocktail and just pour like, I was going to say a cocktail because that there's there's a number of amazing cock, uh, cocktails out there that you can do with this kind of stuff. But I was going to say, just don't mix like fruit too well or like you know Pepsi <laughs> Me- <laughs> Mio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Pepsi. Yeah, don't, please don't add meal into
0: this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, no, it's and you got to be like nowadays you, you have to be careful who you alienate and that because people are so much more sensitive than they used to be. So <laughs> if yeah, exactly. if, if you want to put ice in it, put ice in it. If you want to put drops of water, put drops of water in it. I think it's okay to Absolutely. say, don't put pop in it or I'll punch you in the face. But
1: right. Oh, that's right. I forgot you guys are on pop.
0: I, I, pop, soda, soda. soda. Yeah. Soda. Yeah. Don't put that's soda right. in it.
2: Soda, just, soda is soda. water up
0: here, basically. Yeah. <laughs> soda water. Yeah, exactly.
2: It, it, it's funny that we're talking about this because our buddy <laughs> has a YouTube review channel. And he literally read on the back of whatever bottle they're reviewing. They the distillery itself says add two parts water to one part whiskey for the perfect mix, and they did it. Two parts like, water, yeah, and they were like, well, "Okay, let's try this." And they did it. <laughs> what the hell? This is gross. <laughs> it's water. It's like whiskey flavored water. So they just did it because it was on the box itself.
0: Why would you put that on your I don't on know. the box? that's weird.
1: I'd be surprised to put it in the bottle, but I do remember a video from years ago, and I want to say it might have been. I might have been like Richard Patterson, suggesting that when he's when he's blending and he's working with his whiskeys, that he'll bring something down to like thirty five or forty percent, which I always thought was wild. But obviously, as a as a blender, and, I, and this is definitely something that I know Jeff deals with on a regular basis. Is that you know you're dealing with these high strength alcohols you're trying to sift through that, and of course, not get hammered in the first, you know, mm-hmm. half an hour. So like between palate fatigue and just, you know, m- going your way with the whiskey and letting the whiskey do the talking, like that's a hard thing to to navigate when you're dealing with such, you know, high, high proof stuff. But I, I want to say that there was something like that years ago.
0: Yeah. There was, it was more so because of the, um, the way that they drink it in spirit competitions and stuff. They always drink it with, with water, I think. Right. to. Because they they remove basically, they, they want only the flavor and not the alcohol. Right. So they're really diving into just the, the flavor profile of the whiskey. But the water can ruin the flavor in, in some aspects. So I'm assuming, I'm assuming it changes with every whiskey or they probably try it straight without... Uh, they're probably really drunk at the end of it too. I, I prefer to <laughs> I prefer to drink whiskey more like Nick Offerman than I do than, than anything else, right? Just in the glass and fast.
2: I'm definitely not <laughs> pouring it in and throwing it on the floor. <laughs> no, that
1: was always something that I kind of I've had more people more friends than I could count send me that video like have you seen this? Yes, yes, I've seen it multiple times and and it's hilarious and he's and he's an absolute uh, living legend in you know in what he's in what he's done. But uh, that was always thought like that's a that's a bit much. We don't need to pour it on the floor. I mean, at the very least.
2: But I mean, he does yeah. have access to all the whiskey in his portfolio, so he's not buying it. <laughs> I'm definitely not it's taking true. my you know $800 bottle and swishing it and throwing it on the floor.
1: No, <laughs> no, no. that's something that I'm not going to quite do. Um, I don't have that. Uh, I don't have that bankroll, I don't have that access. <laughs> Well,
2: like, I wouldn't even do
1: it with a a $40 whiskey. Well, maybe if
0: it's like Jura superstition or something like that. I'm I'm just joking. I'm joking. Sorry.
1: (laughs) You know, it's funny you say that. I got a bottle of that behind me. Oh,
0: God. Let's take uh, take the opportunity right
1: now, Jay. (laughs) It's the older bottling, though. I remember that whiskey, at least, I don't know if it changed for for Canada, but I remember when it changed and at least was here in the States, it went from 46 to 43, and it was not the same whiskey. And I remember having it at 46. And I was like, this is really nice. And I went and bought a bottle of it and didn't notice that that changed to 43. This is when I was a lot younger, before I was really as deep as I am now. And I went, this isn't the same whiskey. I'm not, I'm not enjoying this as much. Still, I don't ever say anything negative about a whiskey. I think there's some are better than others. But it, For sure. it was, wow. That was one of the first things I went, okay, this, this was significantly different. <laughs> i know older,
0: Jura older version. Well, <laughs> jura's, jura's always my whipping boy and I'm, i don't ever try to be disrespectful but <laughs> it's it's just become this like running joke and we uh they had, they they poured me uh an ind- independent jura yeah. and i was about to say it was good until somebody said it was jura and then i was like
2: oh <laughs> we, we, we did an, <laughs> we did an advent calendar for robbie yeah. burns day and so everybody mm-hmm. in there was 25 of us everybody or 24 everybody donated a bottle blind and each day you tasted it and tried to guess what it yep. was so i knowing steve's yeah. disdain for jura found an indie cast strength red wine finished jura put it in there and i knew i knew right away as soon as i tasted it that that was my bottle that day <laughs> i was just waiting for him to post his
0: thoughts <laughs> i thought, <laughs> it start. it started off with one little com- conversation that said i don't don't prefer jura and now i've now i've been uh labeled as the guy who hates jura so I, i'm only trying to live up to the characters it's all. funny though
2: because <laughs> the superstition was sort of... Of the very first peated whiskey i ever had but i had a mini bottle and it was 46 percent. and i noticed when i went to the store to look for the big bottle that it was 43 percent in the full-size bottle I was like that's weird and then of course obviously that just opened the doors to peated whiskey and <laughs> Haven't looked back since.
1: i Truth be told, I am actually, uh, and and Stephen, I don't know if you, if you might might agree with me, but I am actually, or if maybe just still, the, it's 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 across the board. But I miss prophecy so much. I think that was a fantastic whiskey. I only, um,
0: I only ever had a sample of that and it was a long time ago to the i don't really like i couldn't recall what it actually tastes like
1: so. i have i have a half a bottle left and i've been nursing it because i thought that was like it It was uh, it was a shame that they got um that they took that away from the from the lineup but i know because i i can keep on doing this so <laughs> i would love to talk more about kyle <laughs>
0: let's yeah let's let's not get too far uh, and um, if we go too far, I will get myself in trouble and then nobody will listen to the podcast. So let's... Um,
1: manager will call and be like, come on, man.
0: Come on. Yeah, exactly. I know. This, <laughs> I, I forget that people are actually listening to me. I don't know why, but they are. Two of them or three of them at yeah. least. But let's... Um, this sherry has been staring me down. Oh, this. And even, I swear, even while I was drinking the cast strength, I could still smell the sherry. About six inches away from me.
1: So I believe that you guys uh, probably have the second edition yeah, of the
2: sherry. That's correct.
1: Yeah. Okay. So to tell you about the second, edition, I have to tell you about the first. Uh, and the first will go back to when I was saying uh, much earlier, on in our in our in our deep dive here, that Jeff is is very passionate about when a whiskey is ready to ready to go, and when he says yes, it is ready to go. Uh, the very first edition of the sh- of the sherry didn't go when it was supposed to. Uh, so the way that this whiskey uh, is 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 made up, um, and it goes for the second edition as well. It spent the first eight years in first fill oloroso, and these were true Spanish oak casks, not American oak rinsed to a sherry. They were they were good Spanish oak casks. So it was eight years oloroso, two years Mizanara. and then it spent. Um, or I should say, choose I was supposed to get bottled after that, so I was supposed to go from the Miz right to the bottling hall. And he had, and he had told you know the people uh, bottling force. he said this whiskey's ready to go. Please have the casks dumped. Uh, you know, del- deliver the casks, have them dumped, and we want it bottled. And for whatever reason, something just got caught up along the way. And he went to the bottling facility to check on it the day it was getting was supposed to get bottled. And he was taking samples, and he kept them going back to it, back to it. And then, you know what? This, this is this is not the same. This is not the same whiskey. This is not this is not what I wanted to bottle. And he found out that along the way, that that uh, that cross in in communication had happened, and the whiskey hadn't gotten done until about maybe like a month later, maybe maybe two months later. And that was actually enough time for the mizanara to come back too strong, and it pulled away from the initial sherry notes and I don't know full figure dollar amounts I have heard a lot of numbers thrown around about this but it cost a lot of money because the whiskey was pulled uh from really? from the from the vats that were ready to to bottle this with and he Jeez. said no it's not ready uh, he made all the phone calls he had to and said look I it, this this should not it, it's not ready to go this this is uh it, it, we want to put our name on it So trying to figure out what to do next to bring this whiskey back, he said, you know what, let's try some PX. So he's got his hands on some first fill PX casks. The whiskey went to that for six months and that's the whiskey that you have. Um, The only difference between the first edition and the second edition is that you guys are drinking the second fill PX casks. So you are drinking the second time around of our same PX that we used the first time. Okay. So if you are able to get your hands on a bottle of the first, the way I would, which sounds impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I think it is. There's like a handful of retailers that might uh, have a bottle kicking around in the U S um, but that might be it. Maybe uh, auction auction. Maybe, maybe at this point. Yeah. yeah. Which is which is wild to say. Cause I, I don't, I don't dive into the auction sites too much i always see what's what's around but uh i try to keep my 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 investments uh at least right for the moment i'm trying to buy too much <laughs> is, is. <laughs> yeah I hear um, but uh <laughs> but what you'll find with the first one is that obviously being first fill for both the oloroso and for the px it's very sherry forward and then it goes to the mizanara so you get a lot of those baking spices the raisins the you know the big the big red fruits up front and then it goes to the tropical side of things and you get the uh, and they, you, I think you might get it still with this with a second that a bit of that herbalness again. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that that kind of tea like you were saying floral earlier.
0: Yeah, what well honestly what this did was change the the bread from a grain bread to like a raisin bread yeah. in my eyes kind of thing. I still also... still got that honey characteristic, the um the, definitely the floral kind of herbal, and um it maintained a little bit of that that little peppery spice which also comes from the sherry so but they don't the one thing that i'm really finding with this is they're not fighting each other no at all
2: not at all
1: and that's why at first it didn't get released um when it was just the mizanara and the oloroso because and and jeff verbatim says that it's a dance that the way oh, uh, the way that sherry interacts with the mizanara like it's it's kind of like this tango and if you don't have a good dance partner, you're ruined. And that's that's the analogy he uses as far as like, it's a it's very tricky to make it happen the right way. You have to have both on the same page. And the PX will definitely let that happen. So with the PX, you might be getting a bit more of the Mizunara in the, in, in the very beginning and then maybe rolling to the Sherry. That's the way it was always for me, is that the first edition was very much Sherry then to the mizanara components and then the one was the mizanara going to the sherry so i think all the flavors were still there it just depended on what order you received them and kind of like the regular uh mizanara bottling and their cast drink so they, they kind of sit again do that dance
0: yeah the sherry just it doesn't hit your tongue to about midway
1: yeah that's kind in, of what i'm getting and then
2: for me it, it almost went back to that sandalwood spice at the very mm-hmm. end of that peppery but in that transition, the second transition kind of back mid back palette where it goes from the Sherry turning back to that Mazzanera, I got coconut for some reason. Like if you've ever had those uh, like Ferrero Rocher, but the white ones, the coconut ones. So if you're so if it's like white chocolate and coconut uh, coated, and it was like biting into one of those, like with that heavy coconut with just a bit of like chocolate sweetness. And then obviously the, the, Olorosa will have that as well and then it just kind of faded into that nice peppery buttery spice
1: yeah i'm, I'm glad you guys were able to get your hands on Apollo's because the first <laughs> edition was only uh, about 450 500 cases worldwide and the signature was only about 400 cases worldwide um so well, there I wasn't think, a lot of this going around like so i said you th- guys really
0: i think we some. bought the last two and. In- canada i was just gonna say there's, <laughs> there's, there's,
2: there's gonna be some happy people that join a tasting in the very yeah, near future and are that's what they're the for yeah. that's what
0: they're for that's a sad part is it? i need to decide whether i pour a half ounce for the tasting <laughs> and keep this bottle for myself or
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you guys really enjoy it because it's a very special whiskey for us especially for jeff because it was something that he was so proud of after Almost like a nightmarish of like you know that scenario like oh my god this is not the whiskey that we wanted it to originally be but it turned out even better in this serendipitous way with the PX so much that he decided that he just put away some for himself and this is what he wants to bring out um, for uh, his daughters when they're old enough they both get married so this is this is wedding day whiskey from the master blender so that doesn't scream to the level of uh, satisfaction Yeah. yeah. Then, I, then i'm not sure
0: what does it's got a gorgeous note like it
2: it's a gorgeous whiskey
1: yeah
0: through and through it really is yeah like I'm even thoroughly em- impressed. Empty
2: glass it's like tames down all that spice just on the nose and it's like did you try it with two parts water no <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's like empty glass with just a tiny little bit it the oloroso definitely comes forward but it still has that little oh, wow. bit of sandalwood spice. It's
0: so good. Yeah. Like oh. so, so good, man. I'm pretty it's happy. I think
1: that uh, I'm a, I'm a very huge Glendronic fan. Uh, so I kind of liken this to something that, you know, or anyone who's like really like, like a space, cherry Sherry bomb mm-hmm. fan. Ben, I liken those for, yeah. Yeah. For, for the Scotch, uh, for the Scotch geeks out there, because that being one of my favorite distilleries, um, yeah. I think this is a this is such an amazing whiskey that is not terribly old. You're only talking about a ten year old malt here, um, so for that to be as deep as it is uh, and still have the balance that it does is is quite extraordinary. I think.
0: Honestly, the like one the, I'm thinking right now is I totally want to grab like the fifteen year old GlenDronach and just do a little side by side just to see because I think that this thing's gonna hold its weight. And like, like I think it really will. I think it might even beat it just because of the, the, like, I don't know, the, the Mizanera offers such a, such a different kind of complexity on the other side of this that and like 40, dangerously drinkable. 46%
2: to. to me is almost perfect for this one.
0: Yeah. drinks like if I was, if I was trying it blind, I probably would have said around 50%. Yeah.
1: I, I I completely agree with you. I think that a lot of times, I mean, I I do it every now and again. Where I go, eh, forty six, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. But sometimes there that is that magic number, and why so many whiskeys ended up at that at that uh, at that percentage, and it just works so wonderful with this, where everything just sits, and there's not one thing screaming over anything else. It just it really captures that Japanese philosophy, you know, having that that balance in everything, and of course you just. You know, got to look at that color and go wow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful. Even but like the cast strength one has a really nice like yellowy gold color, not that typical like orangey amber. And then this, yeah, this one, if you held it side by side with the organic liquid honey that I use upstairs, it's almost identical just with a tiny red tone to it. And yeah, just gorgeous color. Yeah. I'll I'll give a quick shout out on here to prestige liquor here in town because they they're the ones that put it aside for me until I can make my way out there. So um, yeah, beautiful whiskey. Yeah. Beautiful.
2: And for me, like I am not versed in Japanese whiskey at all. I, I know we've done one tasting already with some and this one coming up. Now I'm super excited for this one. An
0: yeah, this one's going to be a fun one because we'll touch on we'll touch on the seven year the with mm-hmm. the Mizener finish. We'll uh, we'll get the peated one potentially in there. Um, we'll do the cast strength. We'll do the the black label, which is just the fully aged. How old's that one? Ten ish or no?
1: Uh, that's closer to like like nine. Um, it's the same as the cast strength, just proof down. They're, just they're proof down. literally their okay. ju- their um, sibling whiskeys okay
2: and legal department that's black label with two l's at the beginning yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) for the legal department yes yeah Yeah. um i'm excited for you guys to have that um and see that and actually really even though the the single when you guys get to try that uh with the group being a bourbon mature bizanara finish um even it being the least expensive in, in the family i've been going back to that a lot because it's just something for anyone who's a um, who has an American whiskey palate, anyone who's a bourbon drinker, this just puts a whole new spin on those flavors from American oak, but mixing with the mizanara and I think that opens up the door for a lot of people to be more just open to world Japanese whiskeys, world whiskeys, you know, yeah. entirely. So it's a it's it's a it's a lot of fun. I think you guys will, will enjoy that a lot.
0: Well, and with the way with the way that the Mizanera married with the Sherry cast, I, now I'm super curious to see how it marries with the Ex Bourbon cast.
1: Yeah, and we can get into it much more during during that event. Um, but I'll touch on how that whiskey came to be and how that itself was a serendipitous experiment that happens um, and took shape literally by, um, literally by uh, myself, Jeff, and a couple of the members of the team we have an office in New Jersey here in the States, and we just were messing around with the single as it was uh, about a year and a half ago, but maybe about a year ago and seeing what would happen if we added one more cask um, to the bill, the maturation progression. (laughs) So what you'll, what you'll drink um, is uh, assuming you're really getting together, easily get a bottle without too much of a a problem is uh, it's bourbon mizanara and then tennessee whiskey that's the order of the casking oh really (laughs) yep and it's it's actually it's an insanely uh it's an insanely expensive whiskey for us to make even though it's the least expensive bottle because it changes (laughs) barrels so many times
0: yeah for sure
1: that's (laughs) you can well
0: you can only dump like it it costs money to dump and and re-rack and and all these things so that i'm now i'm yeah now i'm super (laughs) intrigued I might, I might finish a bottle each before we get to that. Are taste you one. are you
2: allow, are you allowed to say where your source for the casks come from?
1: Uh, well, so all of, our Mizunara, uh, all of our Mizunara barrels casks are made by the Bridge in Japan. So uh, they, we provide them with the biggest contract as far as that wood goes. Um, we have a lot of casks being made by them. As far as the other casks that we use. I can't name the Sherry's, um, or the X-Sherry casks rather, um, for the, for the bourbon. Um, I could just say that you have a lot of the bigger players involved as far as where those casks came from. And then as far as the, the use of the Tennessee whiskey cask, um, for those that are very savvy minded in, in the, the brands that are established and out there, there's pretty much only two to pick from, Um, so that being said it's it's fairly easy to um you know to kind of narrow that down and and, and do that but it really is something to see it, that experiment be a part of it at kind of like the like the beginning ground level and then have it take shape to the point where it it goes all the way to a, to a production level we're like you know what this is actually what we want to do from here forward with this whiskey just from us messing around in our office you know getting our hands on some different casks and. They're not all they're not all winners. Sometimes they're failures. We've tried a couple casks that maybe just didn't hold as much weight as we thought they were going to. And I think I think I'm allowed to say this. Hopefully not. I mean I'm sure when when this when this does air, I'll get a call from my, from uh, from our director uh, if if I say something that I shouldn't have. But we had we had an Amontillado cask. Oh. And we took and we took, uh, I believe it might have been our our cast strength, our already produced cast strength that you guys just had. Yeah, and we wanted to see how that would work in a Monte And it did it. It wasn't bad, but it didn't work. Oh, really? So, so, not all experiments are end up being good ones. It it took on the form of almost like a uh, like a batched cocktail. It ended up almost tasting like a like a like a barrel aged Manhattan that you might get oh, in a restaurant. That, that might let the whiskey sit too long in those small casks, they get their hands on. Yeah. 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 Uh, it had that kind of a note to it. It's less what we're going. If, if that's what you wanted, well, cool. And then that got achieved, but it's not obviously what we were so just too we were much,
0: hoping. too much of the, like it, too so much liquid left in the barrel in the staves, and that it probably that
1: was our best guess was yeah. that uh, there was so much residual left after yeah. that cask was dumped that maybe it just it just didn't mix and marry the right way. Tastes um, like you added
0: sherry to it, kind of thing, right? Like it's
1: yeah. But it's it's at the heart uh, where where just mind sits. That you know, let's experiment. Yeah. If we have an opportunity to make something better, then let's try it and see throw everything, throw everything
0: at the wall. And <laughs> yeah. see what sticks. <laughs> yeah. I, I love, yeah. I just love the, um, I love that you actually are willing to experiment, right? I feel that like there's the more and more as, as the, as all these, especially as these craft brands pop up and all these ex- experiments are going on and being released. It's kind of just, it's just loosening up the culture a little bit and, 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 uh, I don't know. I think it's just propelling it forward.
1: I think, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of cool things uh, coming down for all the categories. It's such an exciting, I would say, bit of fresh air to see world whiskey uh, in a way that it hasn't been um, opened for so many years now. So to have people looking at Japan, looking at other countries, and getting out of that bit of a bubble, as much as I love American whiskey and, and Scotch and Irish, there's a lot of great producers out there that are making some really good stuff. So I I think that moving forward with whiskeys like this, it's, it's helping push that, that whole entire movement, you know, of like, there's a lot more stuff out there um, for people to try. And there's a lot of good stuff out there.
2: I do have one question since you are the uh, ambassador for high coast in the States as well. Mm -hmm. How have you found the reception of the uh, the new releases down
1: there? With High Coast, there's only a handful uh, as far as they're, what they're releasing domestically and in some of the other international markets. There's only select expressions that have come here to the States so far. And for them, it's just a production thing. So for us in the States, uh, we have uh, the uh, the ALV, in, in, although, in, unfortunately, in, in small quantities because um, they've, they've been reserving more of that for, um, for for domestic sales. But the Alv, the Hav, the Berg, the Timmer, and the 63. So out of all those, I'm a big fan of the Hav. I think it's a beautifully uh, produced whiskey with having just enough peat where it might actually get some... Mm, uh, whiskey drinkers that don't typically go for anything peated it might it might be just enough to kind of kind of get their interest without it being too much yeah uh, it's,
0: it's kind of how i feel about. it's a toasty smoke though not a yeah, it's, peat, it's, peat smoke kind of thing but
2: with me being the irish guy like any irish peated whiskeys it's usually finished in peated casks so mm-hmm. it is a tamed down peat but for somebody who's looking to get into it that's usually what I'll put them to, but like this one, especially it's, it's along that same lines. Like it's not in your face. It's not gonna, you know, make you think you're licking a chimney, <laughs> but you still get that essence of the peat in it. So it's, it's
1: nice. Absolutely. And I think the, uh, the bird is just, it's beautiful. beautiful. Um, yeah. it, as going back to my love for, for Sherried whiskeys and, and my love for the side Sherried whiskies, I th- I thought that was just a, wonderful expression and that's actually pretty much how Stephen, how me and you kind of chatted a little bit it was through the high (laughs) coast you were taking these beautiful pictures of the berg, and i went oh wow i i I need to i need to you know reach out and and at least just you know say thank you for for creating this even though again i only represent it for the united states but those those shots were beautiful um so, well, I,
0: I probably have more yeah. followers in the US than I do in Canada just because of populations. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs>
0: so. But
1: but yeah, that's a that's a it's an absolutely wonderful whiskey. Uh, and that's uh, it's still a handful, there's a there's a handful of states that have yet to bring those whiskeys in, but the states that have, uh, they're again, people are much more open now than they were, I think, a few years ago for the world whiskey category. It also helped that there was amazing articles just written with Whiskey Advocate and Wine Enthusiast also put um, some great ratings on the Alv and the Hav. So it was a perfect time for the distillery to come out of, uh, of I don't want to say the shadows, but really get into that that bigger light and get into the yeah. American market. So it's an exciting time to be, to be getting those whiskeys more out there for people to enjoy and say, Hey, there's, again, there's a bigger, there's a bigger, uh, amount out there than just your American scotch and Irish bubble. Yeah.
0: Well, they, they released by like social media is such a powerful thing. And especially in the whiskey world, it, it sells whiskey and they did, they released some videos. Um, I know they even personalized some of the videos like they did for our market with like distillery tours and um, obviously the the distiller himself came on and talked about the product and they just, they were, they were smart about their launch and, mm-hmm. and they stayed creative. They, uh, yeah, their social media presence was, was where it should be, right. They connected with influencers and, and all that kind of stuff. So that, that makes a big difference. If you want, if you want that brand recognition and that likability, then you need to come off likable.
1: Absolutely. I think they're making some, some really incredible whiskey and it's not it's not the whiskey that i first thought it would be before i was unfamiliar with the with the product when i just heard sweden honestly my my thought would be all right you're talking scandinavia you're talking like you know bold and rugged and then this is going to be a Vikings, very intense, yeah. <laughs> right it, it's, it's, it, it's easy to go down with those those preconceptions the first time i had it i think it might have been the Alf was the first whiskey that i had And I went, this is, this is gorgeous. This is, it's, it's light. It's extremely, um, extremely easy uh, and drinkable, but you're not losing any flavors. It's not just, uh, it's on a water whiskey. So I knew that they were onto something very, very cool over there. And to be able to have that as part of like the other little couple bottles in my bag, when I get to make my rounds, you know, um, it's, it's something that just offers this whole other, um, look into that area of the world for whiskey that i have like i said i had my own preconceptions of like what i thought that whiskey was going to be like so for me to be very wrong i, I was glad that i was wrong and getting the trial so it's like all right let's get this out for more people to, to see that there is there are these delicate intricacies and complexities to all spirits
0: yeah. coming around for sure, and it, like my first impression was it because it is a young they are it is rather young, right? They're all between kind of four and six years old, so it's most isn't it
1: most the liquid right now? I believe is about the six to seven year point. Okay, but um, it's but if, yeah, they're they're all uh they are all, at least for for what's coming down into the states. um They might have something. I'm sure they have probably some stuff in the distillery that's um that's with an age on it, but they're reserving that for mm-hmm. you know their domestic market. But yeah, it's it's all non aged statement whiskeys. But it's but it's even though the youth flavor they have are they're
0: great. Even though the youth is there, it's my first impression was the fact that the spirit is very clean and very crisp. It's not. It didn't come off as just added kind of alcohol to it, like like some young spirits do. It it still it held it it held its ground and almost shined over some of the cask influence in some of the in some of their whiskeys, which is very impressive
2: to me. And you know some. With Scottish and Irish, you know, you get five, six, seven year old whiskeys. They'll still come across as new makey. You yeah. can still pull that new yes. spirit out. Yeah. Whereas these the ones that I've tried, anyways, I haven't thought that at all. No, not at all. No.
1: Which I There's mean, a handful it, of producers that definitely make um, they make a very uh, well crafted raw spirit, and I, and like you said, I think that shows, and that's helped the movement of non age statement whiskeys become just more um approachable for a lot of people because there was this thing you know for how i mean you guys know for how many years it's like oh there's no age on it and i can't be that good yeah and that helped the cause of these these newer distilleries that develop a good young or should I say just a good a good raw spirit that helps a young whiskey still have that depth and flavor it's uh it's 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 a good time you know for a lot of those guys as far as the whiskey industry goes
0: yeah absolutely honestly i'm staring i'm i'm staring at you listening to you talk and i'm like man we could do this for probably four more hours <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, you
1: probably have some kind of a schedule to yeah. keep you know, just kind of rambling and rambling on
0: so. well i i'm thinking eventually <laughs> the listeners will just turn us off when when <laughs> i publish this thing so it's but it's yeah obviously you're 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 a complete passionate whiskey nerd and from us and all like your your career in whiskey came from being a drinker not from not from any other standpoint so it's i i definitely like i said i appreciate this conversation and we could take it on and on and on and on yeah
2: for sure and like opening your eyes for me and I'm sure lots of other people to mm-hmm. a brand that you know we probably never even looked at before. So it's definitely no, a brand that to keep your eyes on. For, yeah. I'm for happy
0: because uh, Kyle has been in the, I think it's been in this market for a little while. So, and it has a
1: year and a half, maybe I yeah. to a year or two, maybe to a, maybe a year. And then
0: the, and kind of the whiskey corners of, of the community. It's it hasn't, I haven't really heard much about it. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, to bring or shine some light on it and, and uh, bring it to the forefront of some conversation. We'll, We'll get it on the Edmonton Whiskey Forum. We'll, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm just happy to create buzz around new, well, new brands to us. Even though it's not, well, I guess it's relatively still new, right? Like it's it has. When when did it start? When did Kyo start?
1: Official, official launch was 2017 yeah. for the for the worldwide launch. So it's still, so, it's still so very. Yes, in the grand new. scheme of things, we, we are very young, especially in comparison to the to the the producers that, have, that were already well established before us and have yeah. been around yeah um, exactly it's, it's uh it's it's been it's been an awesome journey and to see what else is coming down the pipeline with the new single barrel program that we just launched at the very beginning of the year it would have been sooner but um worldwide um situations certainly influenced that um and delayed a couple things but yeah.
0: those situations, so, that unnamed,
1: right? <laughs> no situations that will go unnamed right no situations that go unnamed um but uh <laughs> That it's it's been awesome to see the reception um, for pe- more people when they do hear about it and they get the story and they get to try the juice. It's it's awesome to see that 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 flash and go, okay, wow, you know, I get it. This is not just this uh, brand that was trying to cash in on a fad um, or trying to take it, um, you know, for for that marketing spin. It's like, no, we we got a guy who loves whiskey more than anybody else that I know at the helm and it's it's his mad scientist desire to keep everything going and make it as good as possible at any cost <laughs> so it's uh it's very special and very exciting to be a part of that and get to work with work with that uh, on a daily basis and you like he got about it and it a job <laughs> yeah
0: yeah being able to call it a job is uh is, is definitely pretty cool like I said we could keep going on and on but I'd I, I just want to, I don't know. I want to thank you, Jay, for obviously coming on. Uh, we're not obviously in your direct market, but you are. We. I was just very attracted to you because obviously your passion in whiskey, not because you're a super handsome dude with an awesome beard. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I just, yeah, I just wanted to connect. I wanted to be and like, I love the fact that this, that the whiskey community is worldwide and you get this like special opportunity to connect with people that you would might you would never ever get that opportunity to. so i'm excited to see where this goes for you and i we definitely wish you and and kyle and, and everything you guys are doing um nothing but positive vibes and good luck so
1: thank you guys both so much this this was great just th- thank you for having me on and let me be a part of uh, the chat because i could easily do this all day and it's what i it's what i love to do so I'm very excited to see where things go and excited to get more people uh, aware of the brand and get the taste and enjoy so i'll be looking forward to very much our tasting you know, yeah. with, with your group and, and uh we'll just keep the good times going
0: yeah absolutely we'll we'll get a date set on that um as, as soon as we can here and then yeah i'm, I'm excited to pour some some kyle for for everyone and we might not put the sherry in it because I might hoard (laughs) those because you
2: might just want
0: to keep it I understand (laughs) (laughs) yeah I might just have to do the others instead (laughs) cheers to you my friend I'll hold hold up a glass with actual whiskey in it to cheers instead of the empty one but
2: cheers